Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages, we proudly bring to you at a studio 212 in the heart of Seattle, Washington on the Soundcasting Network. This is Physical Culture Radio. I'm your super dope host with the most, Greg Jones, at Coach Greg Jones, Instagram and Facebook, along with my super dope host, Chris Edmonds, lead Mount Dog Diet Trainer, at C. Edmonds. Chris, how are we doing today, bud? Doing great, man. Football started last night. Watched the Hall of Fame game. Yeah. <laughs> Had a great week of yeah, training. Yeah, that's right. It's a great, great, great week. Great time of year. <laughs> I think, what, did Champ Bailey get inducted into the Hall of Fame? Uh, yeah, he's on the ballot. Yeah, he's one of many. Yep. Yeah. 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 It's always exciting this time of year when football comes back as uh, you and I are both huge football fans and uh, it's 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 a cool time of year. It's kind of motivating for me. I find every year when it comes back on college and and the professional um, NFL season. So it, it just kind of I, I, I think it motivates me in other areas of my life thinking about it because of playing football for 15 years, uh, you know, in my childhood what about you yeah same here man it's, to me it's just a great time of year you know it's still summer football starts the olympia's almost here uh usa's just happened you know a lot of people are preparing yeah. for nationals uh north americans are like literally right around the corner so to me like this is right like prime bodybuilding season and this is uh the start of football season so i love it <laughs> yeah so this is the keeping it real episode make today your bitch and I want to talk a little bit about a recent workout that I had and the take home from the workout and, and, and kind of just my take on, you know, work workouts, not always being exactly like you want. You're not always feeling a hundred percent. Maybe you're tired, maybe you're stressed out. So, and what happened was, and this was about a week and a half, two weeks ago, I had a leg day and, um, I was really sore. I think I had traveled. Um, my my knee. I've got an old knee that I injured a bunch playing football. Um, my left knee, and I used to dislocate my kneecap all the time. I dislocated my knee day before my first game, my senior year in high school. So when I push legs now, a lot of times before my muscles will fail, the first thing that will really start hurting is my left knee. It'll get swollen. It'll just get aggravated and it'll keep me from being able to push uh, as hard as I want um, because it, it it doesn't feel good at all. And in this workout, um, I was training legs. My knees started bugging me. My back was bugging me. I couldn't seem to get a sweat. I just couldn't get into a groove. And usually when I work out, you know, sometimes it'll take a little bit longer than others to warm up. But at some point you get into a groove, you get that pump, you get that sweat, you know, your the music gets going, you get into the workout and that it, it's almost like you're in the flow or you're in a zone. And when when I, I couldn't get into that, um, so it started fucking with me and uh, I wanted to talk about it because after the workout, I I messaged you and I told you about, you know, how shitty of a workout I had and everything hurt. And um, I, I think when these things happen, you know, as listeners, guys, you, you got to realize that especially as you get older, even when you're younger, you're not always going to feel 100 percent. You're not always, always even going to feel like fucking working out. Right. So sometimes you just don't have the energy. 
sometimes, you know, maybe you're stressed out. Maybe you got some whatever going on in your life that um, affects your mental state going into a workout or it's physical. You're physically tired. You physical physically have some kind of an injury or a pre-existing injury that creeps up and is bugging you. Could be a shoulder, could be a back, could be a knee, could be ankle, whatever. Um, I think I was fucked up for about 12 hours mentally from this. And then I, the next day I was like, you know what? Fuck this pity party. Don't worry about it. And then you, you messaged me and were like, Hey, what's up? What happened? Tell me, tell me, you know, what the experience was. And I was basically feeling fucking sorry for myself because, you know, I, I want to compete at the end of the year. And I want all my workouts to be good. I want to be able to push all my workouts. And I felt like this set me back. And, you know, at the time when you're in the middle of it, it fucks you up because these workouts are important to you. And um, but the next day and and I think the take take home kind of what I'm t- telling the story about is you just got to let that shit go and move on and get to the next workout, eat your meals get your rest, recover, do what you need to do. And, you know, I iced my knee. I took a hot Epsom salt bath. So did that, you know, kind of back and forth therapy on it. I ate real well, took a bunch of vitamin C and uh, my knee has felt better in subsequent workouts. Um, What's your take on having a workout that's not up to your standard if that ever happens or say your back gets real tight and you have to switch gears and not do exactly what you thought you were going to do on that day. What's, how how do you approach this or how do you approach when your athletes tell you about this kind of thing? Okay. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's talk about you and then I'll talk about me. Okay. Um, all right. So with the moment you messaged me that I asked you three simple questions, right? (laughs) It was what's going on in your brain. What are you thinking about? Uh, what did you do for your workout? And then what's your stress and sleep like? <laughs> so I want to yeah. address all three options. If your mind is not dialed in to what you're about to do in a weight training session, I don't care who you are. I don't. Maybe some people can. Maybe that statement is wrong. Maybe some people can. I am not one of those people. If my mind is not right, if my mind is on something else, my session will be shitty no matter how good on paper the workout is. So yeah. I have to refocus my mind. So if you have extracurricular things going on and that kind of ties into the last thing that I asked you is stress and sleep. If something's weighing on your mind, you have to either rid yourself of it or just go, go back home and then do the workout later. Um, so we, we looked there. It, if memory serves me right for your workout, you did extremely heavy V squats, which in the moment sounds like a good idea, but knowing that your back fuck, is fucked up, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> um, you also, right. you also tried to get, you, you let it get inside your head that you only hit eight or nine plates on a leg press as opposed to the normal 11 or 12. Okay, so right. that may sound awful, but what can we do to combat that? So to me, you have to be able to learn, especially within a prep. And the all season is a little bit different. If I feel something crazy or if I'm really fucked up, I'll just go home uh, because I feel like the rest of recovery. And when I say go home, I mean, really, I'm going to go to the therapist, meaning chiropractor, deep tissue massage. I'm going to start getting that stuff in treatment immediately. So in yeah. the off season, that's definitely what I'm going to do. In the contest season, it's a little bit different because you feel this pressure of I'm X amount of days or weeks out, however you look at that. Um, and you say, I can't have one singular bad training session. And I'm completely on board for that. So what you have to be able to do, in my opinion, is you have to kind of step back 
take a couple deep breaths, refocus your mind, and then come up with a game plan. So as I told you, I was like, I gave you a whole recipe of how I would have done it. I would have went into the sauna and gotten really, really warm. I'd have put on some Arctic Balm yep. or uh, Tiger Balm or Bengay, Icy hot, hot, whatever. Put that all over your knee. I'd have put a knee sleeve on. And then I would have went out and got on a bike, pedaled for five or ten minutes. At that point, your mind's still going to be kind of fucked up. So I'd find something on YouTube or a podcast or something that really motivates you. And listen to that, watch that, whatever, because it's going to take your mind off of, oh, my God, my knee's hurting, my knee's hurting. I need to refocus that negative energy and start focusing in on something that's going to motivate me. So from there, I'd have done some occlusion uh, training for leg extensions and leg curls. I'd have done some adduction. And then from there, I would have probably went over to the leg press. I'd have put two or three plates on, and I would have been super slow with the negatives. I'd have came down, I'd have paused it every rep, and then come up to like three-fourths lockout. And I would just do higher reps, like 15 to 20, maybe even 30, and just slowly build one plate aside at a time. So let's say you only got up to eight plates, but I'd be willing to bet you, even if you're still having some knee pain, your quads are going to start to get pumped. From that yeah. point, you kind of reassess the situation because honestly, you've gotten blood in there, you've gotten a pump, and it's time to get out. Or you're like, oh man, my knees really loosened up. I can feel good now. Now I can go do some other exercises. So that's what I was. That's what I suggested you you do. You have to learn to think on the fly, and I know that's harder than I just made it sound. Um, but you have yeah. to kind of think about that. So that's for you. Now let me talk about. You asked me a question about what do I do? I get in there, and my back feels fucked up. Step one is I have to remove my ego. So let's say I go in there and my plan is I, I want to do heavy one arm barbell rows. I have rack pulls on there. Um, I, and I have anything that's going to compromise my lower back at all, right? So I'm going to remove those. I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to switch to hammer strength machines. If I do dumbbell rows, I'm going to be fully chest supported. Um, I'm going to take every bit of lower back out of the equation. I'm going to strap my belt on super tight for the whole session. And then Honestly, for me, when my back hurts, vertical pulling doesn't hurt at all. So pull-ups and pull-downs, none of that stuff hurts. That actually stretches out and alleviates pain. So even if my workout consisted of pull-ups, three different exercises for pull-downs and say dumbbell pullovers or straight-arm pull-downs, and I'll go out of the gym, I'm going to feel good. And I know that I still got my lats pumped. And even though it wasn't the workout I designed on paper, that's what I'm going to do. Um, in addition to that, I'm going to do some sort of lower back movement, whether that be a bodyweight hyperextension. And if it's really, really fucked up, I'll just lay down on the ground and do some like bodyweight supermans to just contract my erectors, force blood into the area, and then I'll finish up with some kind of ab work to really try to protect my spine as much as possible. From there, I'm going to ice the whole way to the chiropractor, and then um, I'm going to get an adjustment, and then I'll book a massage for the next day. So that's what I do. Um, it, again, it's that's almost if i like i said if i'm in a contest prep that's exactly what i'm going to do i've trained before yeah. with an extremely fucked up back um for the beginning of a prep uh the last one i did with shelby my back was extremely fucked up to the point where angela had to hand me all the weights um for like the first three weeks of my contest prep so again most oh, wow. most people would have tapped out and said fuck it, i'm not doing it um that's just not my mentality <laughs> you, yeah you're going to put me in a fucking body bag before that happens so um, I just one of those things, man. So to me, like if, if my mind is, is, is a that's almost worse than when my, my, when my back's messed up, because if I had something heavy on my mind, whether that be relationship or one of my kids or my family, like I'm going to have to step away for maybe two, three, four hours, refocus my mind and then come back and get the shit done. Yeah. And that goes right into, you know, I, I think when you, 
you talk about this topic and the topic of negative circumstances, whether you're talking about an injury, a problem in relationship, accidents, you know, a death of a family uh, member or a friend, you know, money issues. There's all kinds of circumstances that we all have to go through all the time. Not everything is always going to be, you know, cupcakes and roses and perfect all the time. And I think once you accept that, um, and, and I've learned to, you know, what I tried to do, <laughs> I, I usually don't walk away from the gym like you do and try and then refocus later. My mentality has always been to push through and kind of always how I was raised and always how I was coached growing up is, are you injured or are you hurt? Because if you're hurt, you can keep playing. If you're injured, then you're out. And, and I felt like I was hurting but I wasn't injured and I've been injured before. Like I've had some fucked up things in football in bodybuilding um, as a kid, just, you know, playing around. I've had some different things go on with my body where I've been injured before. So I know the difference between the two, but the problem is as you get a little bit older, <laughs> when you're hurt, it can lead to a fucking injury. So you got to be real careful with your body and you've only got one body, you've only got one back, you've only got, you know, <laughs> one set of knees. And so if, if something doesn't feel right and, you know, I, this takes me back to the John Meadows interview when he said he probably was a couple reps or one set away from tearing his pec and he racked it and said, this don't feel right to me today. I'm done and live to fight another day. And, and, and I know that's his, how he coaches and what he says, and it's the smartest thing to do to put that into practice when you're working out. Sometimes it's not so easy to do because of my mentality, but, uh, I, I, you're right. I think you do that. Um, so the other thing is negative people in, in addition to the circumstances that are just going to happen. If you have negative people in your life, say it's a family member, or it's a friend, or it's a coach, or it's it's you know somebody that you're acquainted to. You got to get small-minded, negative people out of your life, and get with a more positive circle, positive people. If you're in a relationship that's like there's always a negative spin on shit all the time in that relationship, you're in the wrong relationship. And if you're around people that do nothing but complain all the time about how fucking bad their life is, how are you ever going to rise above that complaining state if, if that's all you hang around with? So you got to be real careful of the people you hang around with and, you know, choosing to rise above these circumstances, persons, places and the things and the people that may be contributing to this negativity. You know, Vince Lombardi talks about, uh, winning is a habit. Unfortunately, so is losing. So people that lose tend to lose, you know, often people that win tend to win often. And there's definitely a difference between the mentality in the two. I'm going to give you an example and I'm going to give you a football example. I went to, I went from a community college that was the top 10 in the nation community college and my freshman year, we ended up number seven in the nation, went 10 and one, played in a bowl game, won the bowl game. And then I chose to go to 
a smaller four-year where I was going to be a big fish in a small pond. It was a program that hadn't had a lot of success in its past. Um, we were going into playing the number one team in the country, uh, Central Washington University, and I was at Eastern Oregon. Central Washington at the time was had the quarterback by the name of John Kitna. A lot of you that ha- don't know of this guy, he was in the league about 15 years ago, and he played for the Cowboys, played for the Seahawks, played for the Bengals. He had about a 10 to 12-year career in the NFL, and he came from a small college like myself. So we were playing against John Kitna in the, in the Central uh, Washington Wildcats in our first game of the year. And, and then in the second game, we were playing the national champions, uh, which was PLU University, um, and they were the champions from the year before, the national champions. And these teammates said to me, you know, if we can just get one out of these two games, we'll be good. And I, the first thing I, I looked at the guy and I said, why do you think we'll lose one of these games? And why would you go in thinking we just should only win one of them? Because, the, because it was the number one team in the nation we were playing. And then we were playing the national championship. And what happened we, is we beat Central. We beat the number one team. And then we played against the, you know, the previous year's national champions who then became number one once we beat the number one team. So we played two back-to-back number one teams in the nation. We ended up losing by six points on a trickery play in that second game uh, against PLU. But the mentality of this, of the team that I went to and the players that were used to losing and weren't used to winning were expect to lose and don't expect to win. And if we get one out of two, we're doing fucking good. And I, I, I disagree with that mentality. Um, and, and I, 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 to be honest, I was fucking flabbergasted. I'd never experienced growing up to that point and 12, I think at that point I'd played like 12 years of football and been on state championship teams, been on playoff teams in high school and, you know, a really good uh, community college team. And then at that four year, having that mentality around me with, with other teammates, it, I, I couldn't even, I, I, I like, I couldn't, I couldn't comprehend it. What, what's your what's your take on that and and negativity and you know that's something to me you say to to your coaching staff behind closed doors you don't say that to your players <laughs> um you know yeah. what I, you know what I mean like that you don't say that to your players because then that just to me that's gonna mess up their head and mind space and think oh well yeah they don't have faith that we can win both of these and and to me like f- football or bodybuilding it's kind of the same shit to me right like right you 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 have to live week to week um or show to show however you want to look at it you can't start looking ahead the people that look ahead always fuck up right if you don't focus on today's singular action items to get better to improve you're gonna fail in the long run and you know i'll have clients that'll say oh well you know what are what are we doing six weeks from now or what are you gonna do at peak week which i fucking hate that word peak week stupid um (laughs) <laughs> because if you're in shape, we don't really do anything. We just give you some more carbs leading into it and pull the water eventually. Um, <laughs> right. There's no magic tricks, not on my end at least. Um, but the people that's a good that, point. Yeah, there, there, there's the people that look ahead aren't doing the current week. It's due diligence, and 
Right. It, it's the same thing with the me- negative mindset, right? I've heard people call those like vampires, right? They suck the life out of you. Like you have to remove yeah. those people from your day to day life, um, or you're going to begin to turn negative, right? You know, if you have to, and, and everyone I think instinctually lives in that like they're glass half full or glass half empty. And then, like, where, where you fall on that line can be swayed by the environment or the people that you hang out around. Um, I, I'm really fortunate in the fact that I don't really hang around a lot of people. <laughs> um, my interaction with what I'm joking, <laughs> like, is society is very, very small. It's like my training partner, my wife, and my kids. Like, that's pretty much it. And then my dad, if you count yeah, that. You, <laughs> you, you mean the people that you torture in the gym? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cause let, let's not get it twisted. Chris fucking tortures people. I see... Is it for any of you guys that want a good laugh on how he fucking tortures these people in workouts, go to his Instagram stories and check out his leg days when he posts videos of these guys he takes through leg days. That what was that guy? There was a guy, a kid by the name of Ryan. How old is Ryan? He's 24. So he's 24. Chris yeah. started this Instagram story, I think two, three days ago, um, with with this kid puking. At first it looked like the kid was doing push-ups on a fucking garbage can. <laughs> and then I realized he wasn't doing push-ups. He was puking in this garbage can. Right. And then the next story or the next little clip of the story was him doing the next leg exercise and then the next leg exercise. And he's falling down. And the only thing I'm thinking in my mind is, fuck, my knee would be hurting so fucking bad right now <laughs> trying to do what this kid could do. But I also got 20 something years on this kid. And this kid is like falling over side. He looks like he was drunk and sick. Oh yeah, is what it was. What it looked like if you wouldn't known better. And you're yelling at him. I think Alex was yelling at him. Everybody's yelling at this fucking poor kid. Yeah. He's falling over. He looks like he's on fucking death's bedside. Oh yeah. And uh, it it was some funny shit. But it I mean it shows how hard you push your clients and push the people that work out with you. And I remember a comment that you made a couple about a year back about some guy you took through a leg workout. And the guy said after the workout, why would anybody do this to themselves? (laughs) (laughs) Listen, man, we get people who occasionally be like, oh, hey, can I join you for a session? And like literally Ryan's he worked off, worked out with me on and off like the last eight months. And it's he changed jobs and uh, I changed gyms. So. Our schedules hadn't really oh. aligned, and uh, he'd been seeing the stories that Alex and I had been posting. And he's like, "Hey, I gotta, I gotta get with you guys in the future. I want us to ask off oh, from work God. and join you." Well, he hadn't worked out with us in probably you know two to three months, and I, I don't doubt that he doesn't train hard when he's by himself. Um, but when, when, <laughs> yeah, he looked like a big kid. Like he has yeah. good structure on him. He's he not is, like yeah. a pencil he is not not, a pencil neck no he is not new new to this at all i mean he's five six like 212 with abs um yeah so i mean he's got good size on him he's very strong but you know it's just a different mentality man like we go to damn war when it comes to training legs and it it was a mission of alex and i to just bury him and we told him that when he walked in there and i and he was like "I'm, i'm ready i'm ready i'm like you ain't ready for what we're about to do bro and um right you know, I caught him twice throwing up on camera. He threw up a third time that I didn't get on camera with the, like a funny statement. Like our, the gym owner came over and was like, don't you throw up on my fucking turf? 
<laughs> Did he really? Oh God, yeah. Because because listen, that gym doesn't have yeah. air condition. So if you throw up on that, well, turf, yeah, you wouldn't be able to get that shit out of the oh, turf. Yeah, it would smell so bad. So oh God, yes. Like I mean, he sat in the floor, like laying face down for thirty minutes, and when we finished, like he like kind of came back to, and all the color in his face was gone, and he was like, God, man, every time I think I'm training hard, like you slap me in the face, and. You know, Alex texted me when we walked out the gym and was like, man, he's like, that was a good day. But that that felt a lot easier than what you and I normally do because we get a longer rest period with three people. And, and I was like, I actually felt the same thing. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> listen, it's all about perception versus reality. Like, listen, right. I, I'm not saying that I'm the hardest trainer on the planet. I'm never once going to claim that. Um, but I do take pride in my ability to push a workout to the extreme. So I feel like each week I try to right. get better at that. Each year I try to get better than that as I age. Eventually, Father Time's going to catch me, and I'm not going to be able to do all that crazy shit that we did. Um, but yeah. in, until then, I'm going to push it to the fucking limit. <laughs> but, you know, anyways, you kind of refocus well, here. Like, why not? So, right. I mean, listen, that's what I love to do. I love to train hard. I love to torture myself for an hour to two hours a day. Um, and, and you kind of got to lo- love that mentality and that mindset to work out with me because listen, we're going, we're going to go to the bring of death. I promise that and the only thing that I would say is probably an easy day is like arms and it just burns. It's not like physically taxing like legs, back or chest, but anyway, to so get back to your right. point, like about negative people. So listen, you have to silence those or you have to use those people as fuel. And I think I'm going to talk about this. My last prep, one of the guys I would consider one of my friends looked at me and said, you hadn't made any progress. I, I don't think it's even worth you competing this year. And and I took that shit to heart. And every time before a hard hard set, Alex would say that shit to me. I don't know why you're doing this. You ain't going to be better than the last time. And it would make me go wow. bananas. Like, I would lose yeah. my mind. Like, we were, on a, we were on a leg press one day, and it was like six weeks out. And, I, and with 10 plates aside, I did a rest pulse set for 100. <laughs> <laughs> oh jesus man it was I, I just went off i don't even really remember it i wished we would have filmed it um i just kept going and i racked it and then he thought he was gonna go and i was like get the fuck away from me and i unracked it and kept going so like i like tapping into those dark places i like when people say i'm not gonna be better when i'm gonna be a shit bodybuilder or my back sucks or my conditioning sucks or you won't be able to do this or you won't be able to do that. Like I love when people say that shit to me because I thrive off of it. The shit that I hate is when people yeah. are like, oh man, Chris, you're so much bigger. Or you're, you know, you're this and you're that. And I'm like, oh, shut the fuck up, man. I don't believe you. Like I have so far to go from where I want to be. Like, don't tell me that. That doesn't help me. <laughs> Again, that's a little bit yeah. different mindset for you guys. I-, I know a lot of people out there love the positive encouragement and that helps them and that fuels them. That's just not me or my personality. Um, tell me where I'm weak, tell me where I need to get better and then we'll focus our energy on it. So yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on negative people. You know, and Chris and I kind of get motivated by different things. Um, one of the things that really motivates me is watching football videos and coaches talk and, and, and motivate motivational speakers like Ray Lewis and Eric Thomas talk to ball players. And or, you know, speaking in front of like high school kids and stuff like that, that shit gets me so fired up um, that I, I feel like I can run through walls after watching that. I know for Coach Chris, I think his thing is bodybuilding videos. He watches he pulls out old DVDs 
and things with Tom Platts. And um, so what, what are some of your favorites? I know you were talking about the Mark Dugdale oh, yeah. driven. Yeah, that, you know, as I told you, Mark Dugdale driven, that, that got me through the first prep I ever did. I love it. If you guys hadn't checked it out, it is worth every penny. Um, I love both. My two favorite Ronnie Coleman's are unbelievable and calls to redemption. Um, the Jay Cutler are cut above the rest. That That is another quality DVD. Um, all the battle for the Olympias. If you guys haven't don't know what battle of the Olympias are, it just kind of will like chronicle all the bodybuilders leading into the Olympia for like the late yeah. 90s, early 2000s. Like spend time watching those. I mean, obviously, Blood and Guts, Dorian Yates is probably the most infamous training video of all time. Um, yeah. All of those, God, those, I, I used to watch those through college. I still watch them today. Um, they're just super motivating to me. I love it. I love seeing people training hard and working and eating their meals and living the life of a bodybuilder. Like that's what gets me motivated. Now at the same time, like I love football video, so I, I'm I'm in the same page. I like that. Like that speech from any given Sunday with uh, Al Pacino is like legendary yeah. to me. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love listening to that. Um, you know, Nick Saban, Denzel Washington, cool. and Remember the Titans. Yeah, that's a good one too. Yeah, yeah. Billy Bob Thornton in uh, Friday Night Lights is another good one. Yeah, um, like all of that stuff. It's whatever you have to find that intrinsically gives you cold chills, right? <laughs> um, like if I yeah. go to Lane Stadium and Inner Sandman comes on and the guys run out of the tunnel, it gives me cold chills. Like that's a powerful moment in Blacksburg, especially like on a Thursday night. Um, or when they play UVA, the last game of the regular season, and Inner Sandman comes on, and people are jumping and going bananas. You can't even hear yourself faint. Like those are like things that I like to tap into when, when a prep gets hard, when an off season gets hard, like to really motivate you and push you to the next level mentally. Yeah, and um, I, I think the common thread when you mention a lot of these bodybuilders and successful football teams and college and NFL programs. These guys, individually in a team setting, they mentally prepare themselves for games, for practices, um, and and especially and even the bodybuilders going into workouts. I remember Dorian Yates used to talk about for hours before the workout, he would mentally prepare himself for the fucking onslaught that he was about to do and the workout that he'd take himself through. And this was a mental preparing, you know, session that that he would have before every workout he just wouldn't willy-nilly go into the gym and go oh well, it's push day today it's chest day that's let me let me go hit this now this was hours in 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 preparation and the eating and the hydration and the you know getting mentally prepared to do it it was is very methodical yep. and i i think the best teams and the best athletes and the best individuals all have that common thread of that mental preparedness um, and what they go through to get them ready for these practices and, and workouts and games. Because let's face it, when you get on stage with, or when you're playing in a game um, on a Saturday or a Sunday, it's what you've done in the past year of workouts. It's how you've prepared physically the whole year and what you've done leading up into those games that count into those games. You can't, you can't like just fake it and fire yourself up. If, if the work hasn't been there the past year, right? So the, how, how you've worked out all year, how you've prepared yourself all year 
how you've taken that on a day-to-day basis with your fucking lunch pail every day to the gym or the practice field or the weight room. Um, that, that it's, it's what you have done in the last 60 to 90 days that you're manifesting right now in your body. And so it's how you've prepared, how you've ate, how you've worked out that, that you're now, you know, feeling the fruits of those labors. Now there's a delayed reaction. There's a delayed, um, gratification. You know, when you do when you hit a workout, you're, you're not instantly bigger. You, you start to grow 60 to 90 days after hitting those fucking hard workouts for the past two, three months and eating, you know, 42 perfect meals during the week, you know, and, and, and the culmination of that is, is, is what is what you get after a while. So it's, this isn't something you turn on and turn off all the time. It's something you turn on and fucking leave on. Right. I mean, here's what I think about, man. Like when you do a show this coming year or I do one this coming year to finish it out of 2019, that's going to be a culmination of every time I've ever picked up a weight with the purpose of being a bodybuilder since I was 19. And I don't want all of that work for the last 15 years to be a, for a waste because I can't stay on a meal plan. I cheat my cardio. I don't give it a hundred thousand percent in terms of training time. Um, yeah, that, that's the way I think about it. I like to put that positive pressure on myself and, and think about 15 years worth of, worth of training, 15 years worth of eating. And not to mention, you know, I think I said this to you in a Instagram message or Facebook message this week. Like, if, if we told someone that oh, you see, you see all these people post, I want to be a pro or hunt for a pro card. Right. And if I told them, all right, the next 2,184 meals, which is 42 meals a week for 50, <laughs> 52 weeks, by the way, um, <laughs> I told you, I, I'm just good with numbers. So yeah, anyways, 2,184 yeah. meals. If those are perfect for one singular year and you give a hundred percent intensity on every workout, you step into the gym and every ounce of cardio, I promise you a pro card. I'd be willing to bet you that 98% of those people could not do that. If they had yeah. someone standing over them watching the entire year, the entire 365 days, they could not complete that singular mission. But yet they'll tell you all day long, I want to be a pro. No, they don't. That's fucking lip service. They want to say they're a yeah. pro or they want the pro status. They don't want to have to work towards it. And if you look at someone like say John, who did countless pro qualifiers, competed for 30 years before finally earning pro status. Like those are people that appreciate the year in and year out of work. The guys who, you know, went, went a, went a regional show, went a pro qualifier and then win the New York pro. Like, I don't feel like those individuals truly appreciate what they've earned. And a lot of times you see those people, the flame burns really hot and it dies really fast because they don't appreciate that work that has taken most people 10 to 20 years. Right. And like that, that's what I think about. So I think about like, if I'm using you, for example, like you've went through countless injuries with me, you have been through tons of stress, both with work and relationships. And this singular moment of you stepping on stage in the fall is going to be a culmination of how you battled through it. And if we yeah. come out and you win an overall, like I know you have the ability to do, it's going to make all those hard times worth it. And you think, you know right. what? Thank God I stuck with this bodybuilding thing. Cause it'd have probably been easy for you to say, fuck it. I don't want to do this anymore. 
I'm going to, you know, go hang out with Will and, you know, coach his football team. And, you know, I, I know it's a little too soon for you to coach his football team. But, you know, for example, go do activities yeah. with him, get into music with him, and just stop this bodybuilding thing. We'll stop chasing a rabbit. And you don't. And I really feel like when we win this overall, and I'm willing that shit into existence for you, um, it's going to be worth it. Yeah. And I think, you, you know, you have to remind yourself of the things and the reasons that you're grateful for being able to do the things that you do. So remember working out is a privilege. Being able to eat what you want is a privilege. Not everybody has the, the these privileges to even do this. Some people can't afford to eat six meals a day and eat the foods that you probably can afford for yourself out there. Um, or nor do some people even can afford, you know, working out or the time or, you know, they've got kids and they they can't even, you know, get through all this stuff that that we have the privilege to do every day and being able to eat and work out and live our lives in the manner they would want to do. And um, I, I think a lot of people take for granted the lifestyles that we do have. It may not be perfect. You, you may not think you have all the money and things and crap and stuff that you want. But at the end of the day, if you're happy and and you can work out and you can eat and you've got people that love you and you and you love them, um, you don't need a whole lot of crap and a whole lot of stuff. Um, and, and, and you have to do, you have to take inventory of, of the things that, that you're grateful for in your life and being able to do those things, I think. And a lot of people, you know, um, don't, don't do that with their yeah. lives. They just think of negative shit. They so a hundred percent, man. Like I feel like I'm a super simple man when it comes to needs and wants. Like I wanted a nice home. I have that. Um, I, I, I've always driven a Jeep and I want to be able to always drive one. So I do that. <laughs> Um, I want to afford premium food <laughs> and I do that. And outside of that, right. like, as long as I give both of our boys everything they deserve and desire or need, like I have no regrets with this life at all. Um, yeah, absolutely zero. Uh, so like, I think a lot of times people just don't take a, a, either inventory or accountability to like look around and say, man, you know, I'm able to, and then fill in the blank, <laughs> you know, right. It, and, and that goes a long way. And I think I've said this to you before, like uh, Greg Plitt has that famous quote of if you wake up one day and you feel sorry for yourself, go hang out in a cancer ward for a whole day and then yeah. you'll appreciate life a lot more. And, you know, if you go to speak to an eight, eight year old that has terminal cancer and they are not going to live to see their ninth birthday, it kind of makes your knee issues that where your knee bothers you kind of go away. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, sure does. <laughs> I won't complain about my back to a dying eight year old. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you feel bad. Oh, my, I haven't had hair since I was fucking four, you asshole. Like, <laughs> right. um, yeah, you know, it, it, yeah. put, it, it puts things in perspective, man. Like sometimes just, you know, a simple step back and, and to look up and thank your God for, you know, waking up, being as healthy as you can be and be able to attack your dreams, whether that be business or, uh, you know, bodybuilding or whatever you're into and to your, to the best of your ability, like that's a good day. So that's my yeah. thoughts on that. <laughs> also, you know, I think giving to people and serving a purpose 
So, you know, whether it's coaching or volunteering or even, you know, I'm at my gym and I'm trying to help people get in shape. You know, I make up meal plans for them. I motivate them during workouts. I like giving that to people. If somebody came to me and goes, you know what? My finances are really hard. I don't think I can afford to work out here anymore. I love the gym. I love the atmosphere and working out. I I would probably tell that person, you know what? Go ahead and train for three or four months. See how your finances are and, and come talk to me. Then don't worry about the money. Because if they were appreciative about what they got and, um, you know, really wanted to keep with it. I, I, you know, money is not a huge driver for me. Although, you know, you want to be comfortable. You want to be able to give to your kids, your family, you know, take care of the people you need to take care of. So that that's, I'm not saying that stuff is not important. It's very important, but at the same time, it shouldn't be what you live for. It should be a byproduct of the passion of what makes you happy. And it should be a byproduct of the passion that you just love to do it and that you can give it without always, you know, having to get something in return for it. That's, that's when, you know, you're going to be successful. That's when, you know, you're going to be happy. That's when, and that's probably when the money will start to flow behind that even more is, is when you, when you take that point of view, go ahead. If you asked Angela, when I have, when she, she's been with me for over 12 years, when the happiest, yep. happiest I've ever been in my entire life. And I can tell you what she's going to say. She's going to say when my brother and I coached Todd's football team for years and yeah. we didn't make a singular penny off of that. But right. what we did do was take a group of about 35 boys and teach them the love of football and the love of that game. And to me, I always wanted to give back. I was really fortunate to have a great youth youth group of coaches that love what they do, and they taught us how to play, and they taught us the fundamentals and the importance of what football meant. And I will forever be indebted to those men for teaching me how to be a quality human being on and off the field. And that was our number one goal anytime we stepped between those white lines with that group of boys. And even to this day, those kids will come up to me and say, Coach Chris, and they'll tell me about their day or about their practice or did you see me score those touchdowns last night or whatever? And I'm like, yeah, man, I sure did. And like, they are so excited to tell me. And yeah. like, that's so rewarding to me to see them take that full circle and everything that we taught them since they were six, apply that to their life, to their behavior. And, you know, it's one of those things, like one of the key elements my brother and I always tried to instill upon them was the singular thing, right? Is off the field, you're a good kid. You know, you say yes, sir, no, sir. You respect your parents. You are a good human in society. And when it's time to go to school, you go there, you pay attention, and you don't talk back to the teachers. But when you stepped with, on that field, and as they aged, my language changed here. Um, but I would always say, you're going to be the baddest motherfucker on the planet. <laughs> and those kids would yeah. look at me and be like, oh, my God. Because in today's society, no one talks about that, right? Everyone talks about how you want to be accepting and soft and, you know, pick up your fellow humans. But guess what? On that football field, I can try to rip the other person's head off, <laughs> you know, in yeah. between whistles. Of course, you know, we're not trying to teach them to be dirty by any means. But being able to teach a young boy how to turn that switch on will make him so much successful in life. Whether that be he applies that mentality to business or with his relationship to his girlfriend or wife 
or if he chooses to eventually do bodybuilding one day, or you know, if he was fortunate enough to make it to the NFL, he's going to be able to tap into what we taught him from six until twelve. And right. you know, to to get back to your point of you know giving back, like I, I never once regretted a singular second we gave up of our personal time to coach them because they loved it. They always thanked us, and they were extremely grateful for what we did for them because. Unlike the fellow coaches in our in our area, who as soon as practice ends, they like scurry to their car and get out of there. Guess what? The field manager would have to come over to my brother and I and be like, "Bro, it's time to go home. We need to turn the lights off." <laughs> and we're like, <laughs> "Give us three more minutes, three more minutes, and we're yeah. done." And right. and you know, and the parents would sometimes get fussed at us and be like, "Listen, practice was supposed to end at six thirty, and it's seven fifteen. And I'm like, listen, we had work we had to get done today. And I never once regretted a second of that time because it was fun. I got so much out of it. They got out of it. And, you know, again, it's about giving back, giving up your knowledge to the next generation. And hopefully those boys will do the exact same thing for their kids. Yeah, absolutely, man. Okay, guys, for Chris Edmonds, I'm Greg Jones. Thanks a lot for listening to another episode of Physical Culture Radio.